World Peace. Uh. <laughs> it's become kind of a cliche, right? You know, if you could have one wish in the world, what would be world peace? Except that, as I proposed in the email this week to invite you to worship, uh, it might be the right answer. Because if we move forward with that answer and start to unpack what it means, which we are about to do, what would world peace mean? Well, world peace would mean that we are finally at peace with God, which is we're going to say is really the big problem, the undergirding issue to all the other problems. We just don't have peace with God outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ and the filling of the Holy Spirit. World peace would mean we are at peace with one another. And that is really much of the driving longing of our lives and our hearts to be at peace with brothers and sisters around the world. Uh, we would finally be at peace with ourselves. We could quiet our minds. We could quiet our hearts. We could feel the anxiety just releasing from our bodies. We could be at peace with ourselves. And we would be moving forward with the mission that Jesus sends us out in. And that is actually, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. So world peace would mean that we were living into this beautiful vision for what we are to be as followers of Jesus Christ. If you're visiting with us today, we are in the midst of our Fruit of the Spirit series. Now we can't recap the whole next nine weeks, but we can recap the first third, and maybe we'll do this with the second and final. Um, we laid the foundation of love, and love in many ways sets the foundation and is expressed through all of the other fruits. We know that God is love, uh, and this should be, in a sense, the driving ethos ethic and the heart of all believers, followers of Jesus Christ. It is all about love. And in many ways, the rest of the fruits play that out. So last week, we talked about the second fruit of the Spirit, joy, love and joy. Joy, I just love that expression. Joy is love singing. And we should be a people who are rejoicing in the Lord always. We will say it again, rejoice. And that passage is gonna get us into peace here in just a moment. But we took a 3D look at the foundation of Christian joy. We have a joy looking back at what Christ has already done, what he's accomplished, the victory that we have on the cross and through the blood of Jesus Christ. We should take joy in our salvation. Remind yourself every day of the joy of salvation. Amen, friends? Amen, you still with me? We should be able to be presently joyful because we abide in Christ. Christ in us, us in Christ. We are united as the body of Christ. These, this is a blessing that we have available to us in the moment. So take joy in the blessings of the moment. But we also have a future joy. And I just loved how that passage uh, where Jesus tells the disciples, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. No matter what trials, suffering, hardship, distress, persecution, e e even... and. and we hardly talk about it in our context at all, but even through martyrdom, people are still rejoicing because they know that their names are written in heaven. So we have this joy for us. And today now we move into the topic of peace. We have love, we have joy, and we have peace. And these are again, supernatural expressions of the Christian life. The world isn't gonna disagree with be loving and joyful, peaceful, patient, gentle. I mean, the world is going to say, that's great, strive for that, do that. We wanna go deeper, we wanna go further. We are gonna say, we need to actually open up our lives to something outside of us to grow this within us. Again, these are fruits of the spirit that come to all believers. 
And now let's start unpacking this peace. Uh, again, peace is in many ways, it, it's, it's not a tangential uh, peripheral topic of the Christian life. Uh, you know that love is talked about hundreds of times in the Bible. Joy is talked about hundreds of times in the Bible and so is peace. So we could say hundreds of things about peace, but to not wear you out, we are going to say four things about peace. And I already just kind of went through them real briefly. We're gonna talk about the peace that comes through the righteousness of Jesus Christ that restores our relationship with God. That's the foundation of the Christian life is being at peace with God. We can then be at peace with one another. As we're gonna unpack, we strive then to have peace and unity in the body of Christ. We then can experience peace in our own lives. And then we are to move forward as ambassadors of peace, as peacemakers. We gotta love the way that uh, Jesus talks about that in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, they will be children of God. And then in Ephesians, part of the armor of God is that we put on these shoes of the gospel of peace. We actually would need to be kind of girded up and have those shoes and be ready to march forward in making peace in the world. So let's talk about, let's unpack a little bit about peace with God. Right from the Old Testament, we know that the idea of peace is a really big deal for the people of God. And there was a word that they used to encompass this holistic view of peace over all of creation. Anybody know the traditional, this would be the traditional Jewish greeting. Say it if you know it. Shalom Aleichem. Yes, all right, there. Maybe you learned something new. You can leave worship at least a little bit smarter now. You can impress and annoy your family and friends. Shalom Aleichem. That is wishing peace upon your neighbor, peace upon the world. And that again is the foundation because we know that we were created to be in a shalom world, not just a world with the absence of violence, the absence of sin, sickness, disease, ill will, not just the absence of those things, but it was a forward progressive um, peace and protection that pervaded all of creation. And this of course becomes the foundation for the troubles of the human life. We were wired for that world, made for that world, made for that shalom in the garden, but we know that sin and separation cursed our experience. We know that we have the opportunity to begin to experience shalom, peace with God, peace in the body of Christ, peace in the world through Jesus and through the gifts of the spirit. And we know that shalom is coming again in the return of Jesus Christ. This is our hope for shalom, for peace coming into the world. And yet we strive for this in the here and now. Um, we have to love that passage. Um, I, I pulled out way too many scriptures and I'm realizing I'm just not gonna get through all of my scriptures that I had. Um, so we're gonna just skip over the fruits there and we go to, we keep coming back to this because the people of God keep coming back to this. This was of course the prayer, the wish, the blessing to go on to the people of God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you shalom and give you peace. I mean, this was to be how people were sent out into the world to be peacemakers because they know peace with God. And so that is how we bless one another. Um, and then we go out with that protection of God's shalom and God's peace on us. Um, it does make me think if you'll, you'll entertain me for this for just a moment, I don't know 
why this thought came across my mind whenever I was thinking about going out with God's protection of peace. It makes me think about all those um, mafioso kind of movies where there's like the store owner, you know, in the city and the guy comes in and uh, he's like, uh, he, um, he's like, yo, my name is Vinny. Oh, I'm sorry for any Vinnies in the room. We do have a young Vinny in the room, but I always think of Italian mafiosos, the Vinny, and be like, you know, it'd be a shame if anything bad was to happen here, you know, and they like knock something off the shelf and, and, and then they say, but you know, for a couple grand a month, you know, you can be under the protection, you know, you'll be safe, you'll be, that's not peace, right? That, that, that's, you know, it's, it, and it kind of resonates with us because at the heart, what we get is like, that's the complete opposite of shalom, to be extorted, to be intimidated, to live with this fear, to live with this anxiety, to be at conflict with other people. Like it's kind of this guise of if you do this, you'll get peace and things will go well for you. But it's a truly kind of a twisting, a perversion, a corruption, because our God says, I actually want you to have shalom. I actually want to have protection. I want you to have that peace. I would never extort you. I'd never deceive you. I would never intimidate you. That's that, that's that trajectory, that's that aim, that's, that's where we're going towards. Um, Jesus promises us this, and yeah, you're just gonna get a bunch of scriptures today, and we'll get this out in other communications, because again, peace is not just kind of a tangential idea in the Christian life. Um, Jesus tells us, um, as he's preparing for the cross, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And then he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. You gotta love that Jesus just doesn't, you know, pull any punches. He is, you know, if anybody does not have their head in the sand, has their eyes wide open, it is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You're going to have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And as we look then to the post-resurrection then experiences, uh, appearances of Jesus, um, I find this very compelling. We'll just say compelling. This could have, like all these fruits, like this could be like 10 sermons because this story is just so compelling. On the evening of that first day when the disciples were together, so this is after the crucifixion, now word is starting to spread. Some disciples have seen Jesus. Is he alive? What is happening? The pieces are starting to come together. With the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood uh, among them. And what is Jesus, literally his first word? Peace. That's what he knew they needed more than anything else in that moment. Shalom to you. Peace to you. Oh, I know it's been a rough night. I know it's been a wild weekend. I know this has been a hard ride and it's gonna get hard and it's gonna be difficult. Peace. And he goes on peace again. I mean, I mean it's beautiful. He keeps saying peace. Um, he says it a couple times. He keeps reassuring them of this peace. This peace then of course was then to begin to infuse and integrate into the body of Christ from the peace that comes to us through Jesus Christ. This kind of bridges the gap then from peace with God to peace with others. Uh, Romans uh, five tells us, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, right there, great passage of assurance. We have peace 
with God through Jesus Christ. But then Paul's gonna bridge that gap and he's gonna push us to peace with one another. And then chapter 12, then he's gonna tell us, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The inspiration, the encouragement to living at peace with everyone. Let's just take a moment, hitting pause partway through the message here. Think about a time when you might say you were truly at peace. It wasn't just um, being entertained. It wasn't just being amused. It wasn't just watching uh, Miss Congeniality and having a good laugh, as fun as that can be. Can you think of a time when you would actually say you were at peace? You, you just had this kind of this release of tension, of anxiety, of fear, of worry. Maybe it was, maybe for some of us, it's like, no, because it was sometime when I was a kid, maybe. <laughs> and maybe that's just nostalgia that I think when I was a kid, I was at peace because kids' lives can be very tumultuous. It's hard to think back to a kind of peace. Maybe, uh, maybe when you got engaged, you thought, oh, I finally found the one who's gonna meet every need I've ever had in my entire life and, and life will be a honeymoon for the rest of my days. And or maybe it was when you got that job you always wanted and you think, oh, now I will find joy and fulfillment and income and, uh, and, and respect and, 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 you know, and at some point that peace slipped away, right? The bully came to the school and you stopped walking into school with peace and there was fear and intimidation again for you. The marriage might be fine and wonderful, but you realize this doesn't make everything, every problem in the world go away. You, you, you know, things, things at work just started to go south. The, the job that you wanted so much now, just you, you dread going to and you're starting to put the resume out to other things. When, when your peace starts to drain away. It's a very, very tough, it's a very tough thing. The encouragement that we have as the body of Christ is that we are able to actually protect our peace. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go off script here because uh, last night I went home and uh, I was just thinking about peace and all the things that I had, you know, I, I could have said. So this is, this is the one isn't gonna be on the screen, but I wanna just take a little bit of time to unpack this. Because James, the brother of Jesus, as the church is growing and moving forward and now trials and persecution are starting to come, uh, James decides to write a letter to the followers of Christ. In the end of chapter three, he says this, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving. The wisdom that comes from God is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And then we turn the page to what we call chapter four, but this is a continuation of the thought. Then he says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Have you had any fights lately? Do you have any quarrels lately? With a loved one, with a child, with a neighbor, your spouse, somebody in your life? What cause, that's a good question. What, it's a great question. Wait, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have. So you kill, 
You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. That's a powerful self-examination. What is causing the fight and quarreling in you? You know what the answer is, what he's telling us? It's you. When somebody says, what's the problem? Your answer is, now I have to flip the contextual. Um, it's, it's me. I, I'm my own problem. I'm the one getting in the way. That's why we are quarreling and fighting because I'm not getting what I want. There's some need in me. There's some desire in me. There's something at work in me that is causing me to quarrel and fight and I'm not getting what I want and it's creating division and breaking the shalom, shattering the peace between us. The difficult answer, but I think the truest answer that has like ever been given in the history of the world is the answer that the Bible gives. What causes fights and quarrels? What breaks the peace between us? Me. My desires, my needs, my hopes, my dreams, my aspirations, there's something deep in me and it's not being met and it causes me to lash out. When we can begin to confess that, when we can begin to admit that, when we can begin to work through that, that's how we can begin to actually experience peace as the body of Christ and peace with one another. That is a hard truth, right? I mean, that is a hard truth, but I think the reality that it starts in us, it works through us. And maybe if we can get through it, maybe we can confess those things. We can move on to having peace um, with one another. Um, okay, I knew that was gonna be heavy, so then I'm gonna ju jump ship to something. So, so, when you so here's how this plays out. Here's a silly way that I hope we can all relate to um, and how this can play out because we can then protect our peace and recognize that problem in, in us. Um, I have a dog and I get to walk my dog just about every day. And because I walk my dog just about every day, I get to see wonderful friends and neighbors in my community. And for most of the time, the walk is wonderful. We're walking the dog we're, and you, know, you see somebody, you know, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? How's life? Just fine. How's the weather? But I'm guessing everybody has maybe somebody like this in your neighborhood, in your place of work, in your home. I don't know. Hey, there's this, uh, that I just, she'll, maybe she'll walk in this door someday. Who knows? Um, but there's this lady. Hi, how you doing? It is like you don't exist, you know? Like she, you know, just... You know, she will not acknowledge you. I've been on my bike and I've rung my bell to try and go around and she's literally said, I am not moving. Like, um, um, but here's the crazy thing. I leave upset. And you've had that too. Somebody, tr you know, like doesn't respond or separate. And then I'm all like, my peace has been shattered. And I'm like, wait, what's happening here? And then like, I'm in a bad mood. And I'm like, people are awful. And I'm never gonna say, it. no, no. Isn't it crazy how your mind can almost spin out of control? Your peace can be shattered. At one point I realized after having lovely conversations with probably half a dozen people, I had this one like passing interaction where just there was an acknowledgement. And I was just like, just all, all thrown off. And I just thought, I'm allowing this person to steal my peace. And that's crazy, <laughs> that's crazy. And then you kind of have the next thought is, and she probably isn't at peace as well. 
I mean, to be walking in the Colorado in the foothills with, a, with the sun pouring down and the beauty, you know, and then you, then you can start to move towards that compassion. What? The end result is this. I now have just made it my discipline. I've made it my practice. Someday I'm going to break through the shell of this person. And <laughs> just by, I mean, I'm, I said, I'm not going to let you steal my peace. Hi, how you doing? Having a good day? And she can say nothing for the rest of her life, but it's not going to steal my peace anymore. And maybe my peace, my blessing, my have a wonderful day, it's a beautiful day, maybe that can be the breakthrough to starting to be a peace maker in this person's life. Makes sense? This is kind of like, so we have to recognize these fights and these quarrels, these things. And the simple thing is like, I want to be acknowledged. I want her to say hi. I want some respect, but I'm not getting it. And it can steal my peace, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can rise above it. We can have a supernatural blessing of peace and seek to be a peacemaker in the lives of others. I know it gets much more complicated than that, but <laughs> we can try and just keep being peacemakers. Okay, there's a lot we can say about that. Um, I wanted to talk for a moment about peace within yourself. Um, and I got a few more minutes to do this. We're gonna jump ahead to uh, Philippians 4. At some point, we should just do a whole series or write a book on this, because it's amazing how many times this passage comes up? Anytime we're talking about joy, peace, praying, giving thanks, it's like I'm just realizing what a packed couple verses this is because we just talked about this last week when we talked about joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. That's going to be a fruit of the Spirit. We're going to be talking up, so we're going to come back to this passage again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. I love that. It doesn't ignore understanding. It doesn't disregard understanding. It is not ignorant of understanding. It goes above. It rises above. It surpasses the peace of God will surpass, it will transcend all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the peace of God, sorry, the God of peace will be with you. There it is, again, cropping up in all of these passages. And the God of peace will be with you. Um, if you do just a quick breakdown of that, what I realized is he talks about our rejoicing, our thinking, and our practicing. Um, so to give you something tangible to walk away with uh, from a message on peace here today, the invitation there is, of course, to gird ourselves up, and we talked about this last week with the joy, but the foundation for peace comes actually through that rejoicing, it seems to be. He wants us to continually keep rejoicing and offering prayers and supplications and with thanksgiving. So the foundation for us is, well, just a life of gratitude is a life that becomes infused with peace. So please do not neglect throughout the series <clears throat> and throughout your life nurturing gratitude maybe through uh, just quiet times of prayer, maybe through a journal, uh, through times of celebration and worship, but continue the practice of rejoicing. He says that simple practice of rejoicing will begin to envelop you with a sense of peace. But then he goes deeper. 
He says, don't just sort of have this emotional rejoicing. He says, think about these things. Uh, I, I, what he's really saying is, get your theology right. Self-help, self-care, uh, modern psychology, and I'm not knocking that, I'm not belittling that to say this. I mean, it, it wants to start with therapeutic uh, ideals, but what we love here is this is a theological fix to the problem of the lack of peace in our lives. You need to get your thinking about God, about Christ, about faith, about life. You need to get your thinking clear. You need to get it right. You need to get it fixed on God. And then think about these things, these truths, these blessings, these lovely, wonderful revelations for us. Think about these things. Um, <clears throat> and as we think about these things, that is ensuring peace in our life. I had another silly thought uh, this past year, I started taking uh, guitar lessons. And like the first time I played, I lasted about five minutes. And I was like, my fingers are dead. I cannot play anymore. And then like the next day I played like six minutes. And then like an, a week later I could play set. And it took me a long time. And my, my, my hands are by no means like, like strong, but my, my guitar teacher gave me a little test instruction. He said, when you can hold a bagel, on your fingertips, you know you are a guitar player. So I can, I can almost hold a hot bagel on my, you can probably hold a guitar, a hot bagel, try it. You're gonna try tonight, a hot bagel on your fingertips because you've built up that callous. And in this sense, when we rejoice and whenever we think we're building up, not hardness of heart, but kind of that protection of peace. That's literally what he's saying. And the God of peace will be with you. So when you keep rejoicing, you keep thinking, you're protecting your peace. You're working more and more to protect your peace. And then he wants us to put it into practice. This is just putting into action. Then put that peace into action. And we see the stories of peace in action throughout the scriptures. How is it that Stephen could stand before a crowd and share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and have through truly a spiritual battle begin to unfold and the crowd become enraged and begin to pick up stones and to carry him out. That in the midst of his martyrdom, he was praying for the people that were snuffing out his life and giving thanks to God. That's peace in practice, to be at peace in the midst of that. How could Peter be in jail singing praises to God as the earth shakes? That is peace in action. How could Paul be in jail singing and sharing songs and then sharing the good news with his own jailer? That is peace in action. How could Jesus cry out from the cross, Father, forgive them? That is the practice of peace, of shalom in action, friends. I'm gonna invite the band to come up and they're gonna get ready here to, to take us out. The, the final point is simply to say, we, we establish our peace with God through our relationship with Jesus Christ. We work on peace and unity in the body of Christ. And let me again add, and we recognize, we recognize the quarrels and fights within us come from the deep needs that are so often not being met and we recognize the problem starts with us and it moves forward only when we confess and begin to face those difficulties. And through that, we begin to find unity and peace.
peace again in the body of Christ. Don't let anything steal your peace. Don't let the curmudgeonly neighbor who never says hi to you <laughs> steal your peace. Win them over. <laughs> Win them over with peace, loving them, because that is being a peacemaker, moving forward with the call of Christ to make peace in this broken, sinful, shameful, guilt-ridden lives of the people around us. I'm going to end actually just by saying something that I do often. Like I told you, I'm going to like throw like a million verses with you. Um, and this comes up too a lot. Uh, just if I ever find the, you know, my, my stomach churning, my heart beating, my pulse increasing, that, that peace sapping away, I, I just jump right to the 23rd Psalm. So I'm going to kind of end with just saying the 23rd Psalm which is just this beautiful assurance that the shepherd, the shepherd is always, always with the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house forever. Amen, friends. There's a reason to have peace. It's because of the good shepherd. Amen. Let's worship a little bit.